episode 86 of Story Mode, a video game podcast, the official podcast of StoryModeGaming.com. I am your host, Jesse Pyramid Head Monroe, and I'm joined this afternoon, evening, I don't know, down saving this time is weird, by Keelan Trapezoid Head Simpson, Hello. Simon Dodecahedron Head Evans, yeah. and Josh Hexagonal Prism Head Cotter. Yes, How are we doing, lads? one. Oh, man. <laughs> I like how competitive that got. Competitive shapes. How are we doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. I'm killing it. It's been a while. I'm feeling personally very accomplished in uh, beating Metroid Dread. It took me, it took oh, me yeah. ages, but I got Hell 100% yeah. of the items, so pretty happy with myself. Now it just leaves me to do speedruns and not be terrible at the game, but that will come in time. I feel like, Simon, you get very, very passionate about certain... Um, franchises and often franchises that i i don't have much of a stake in so i think you'd be very proud that metro dread despite the fact i haven't finished it yet but i, I made some really good progress this morning um i have some gripes with it but it is it is it is in the conversation of my game of the year yeah nice. i really like it i really like this game like it's a lot of fun it, it's definitely up there for me and part of me is like oh is it my switch game of the year the other one would be monster hunter rise and i just i don't no like it's really really fucking tough decision to make you you brought up something really interesting to me like one of the first like i don't 100 percent games i just never think there's a real payoff for for it for it for me Mm -hmm. um one of the first games i ever 100 percented was uh, samus returns on the 3ds and i don't know why but it's it just felt compelling like yeah. that game just made me feel great about getting a hundred percent. There's no yeah. achievements. There's no like reward no, or anything for that's that. Right. There's nothing, but it just, you feel good. Is it the same with Dread? Uh, yeah, but you do get some reward. So basically, the map, like the the planet itself, is split into different map zones, and for each map Watch zone, out for spoilers here. Um, I'm not not really. I'm not going to go too far into this. But for each map zone, you a hundred percent. Uh, you unlock a special art, uh, like a bit of concept art in the gallery. And then you also get a different artwork depending on how quickly you finish the game. So I think if you do it in, I think, under four hours, you get pretty much all of them. Um, And then once you've completed the game once, you unlock hard mode. And then if you complete under four hours in hard mode, you unlock the other four. And yeah, that's uh, the cool like artwork for the other titles in the series incentivizing speedruns yes hey. absolutely i mean oh, metroid metroid's always always incentivized speedruns and sequence breaking in its own special way and this mm-hmm. is no different and it i think it's good like i think it's a really really good way of doing it mm. i was saying before that um karen from dialogue options podcast who was on last week great name oh, for sorry, a podcast now. It, is. It, is, it is we should steal it <laughs> <laughs> can we we're taking it story mode a dialogue options podcast um <laughs> He was on for our Metroid Dread episode. He's been posting his times. He's finished like five times now, and he's yeah. getting close to like you know that three four hour mark. It is insane. Mm. But I know they've just An impressive um, popped up their full spoiler cast, so go check that out. But it is um, it, I I like the idea that the art books and you know different uh, design and stuff like that. Uh, they're the things you earn. Yeah, because this game is a very. Design-wise, very interesting. Mm. I really like it. Like, some of the bosses, some of the bosses. I found some of the bosses a little bit, like, ugh, whatever. The, but that first, that big lizard dude that you see in the tra- all of the trailers, yeah. I loved him. Yeah, he's cool. He, I just wanna, he's, he's a good lad. Um, and I'm up to the uh, 
look, if anyone playing Metroid games, you know that they, you know, you have these set sort of biomes. You have your, your lava biomes and blah, blah, blah. I'm just in the, the jungle biome. It's stunning. Mm, it is. It's it, really cool. Beautifully rich. And it has such depth to it, which is great in a 2D game. It doesn't feel like a 2D world. No, no, it doesn't at all. Big, big fan. Keelan, you're in Melbourne. We're all, we're, you know, most of us are in Melbourne. Are you enjoying your uh, flight end of lockdown? Have you done anything this weekend? Sure, but people are maniacs and they're just flooding anything and everything that's worth doing. So kind of holding off before I do anything major. Yeah. I will say a few days ago, I went to, um, I went and picked up some uh, dinner, takeaway dinner. And I saw everyone out, like, with friends and family for the first time in ages. And it was, like, the euphoria was palpable. <laughs> it was incredible. But then Happy by Pharrell came out of the speakers, and it just ruined yeah. the whole thing. Like, this is, oh, this is on the nose. This is, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. Josh, how have you been? What have you been up to? I've been doing pretty good. Kind of falling off the the Fortnite bandwagon for now. Um, I've been breaking in the Switch OLED with Smash Bros. A ton of Smash Brothers. Good chat. Started again from scratch. Oh, man. Sora's just excellent. He's everything I could possibly want him to be. Um, Sound effects are on point. Um, His awesome implementation of his attacks. And it represents all the different games in the franchise. Um, well, the Sora that we're getting here, he's meant to be, you know, or resemble um, the age of Sora in the first game. This, they pay enough like tribute and there's enough fan service here between his outfits and the level. Um, that's just a lot of fun. It's really rewarding. Um, so I'm just having a great time with that. Catching up on the DLC characters in Smash that I missed. Um, Kazuya is a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Um like really exciting to play as. Um, I didn't think playing as a Tekken character would feel this smooth. Not the Tekken character I would have picked either. No. You pick Heihachi or yeah. Jin? Yeah. Interesting. Even though I always call him Hitachi, which is a different, completely different thing. <laughs> <laughs> nope. but like, I always call him that. But um, it's been awesome. And um, dipping my toes back in and giving like Joker another chance and him, he's starting to grow on me a little bit. Olimar's still like one of my mains. So I love Olimar. Um, other than that, though, a uh, bit of Metroid Dread here and there. Um, chipping away Death Stranding Director's Cut, um, which is just a really nice meditative experience, really. Um, and, of course, playing a little bit of Silent Hill just to just to refresh my brain and jog some of the lore and names and stuff. Yeah. That was a good time. Oh, I've yeah. been painting a house. Now, I want to say a personal fuck you to the producers, directors, writers, cast, and crew of the show Art Attack for tricking me as a youth into thinking art or any sort of painting could be easy. It's not. It's extremely difficult. I can't even paint a flat fucking surface without getting some parts darker than the rest. It's hard, evenly. Yeah. I've literally gone insane this weekend. I've had like 10 <laughs> hours sleep. All we've been doing is sanding, scrubbing, Washing, drying, taping, cutting, painting. So I'm high on paint fumes still. Nice. nice. I'm tired. I'm living my own, my own nightmare. <laughs> but it's almost done. So next week, you'll see a different background behind me. What, what color hey. are we talking here, Jesse? So behind, well, so the walls, uh, we're going through a company called Tint. Friend of the show, Tint Paint Company. For Get in, out. Like, 
North Girl. One of the hipster places. Good for them. Um, we bought coffee around the corner. It was great. Real coffee, Simon. Not canned coffee. Sick hey. man. Hey. Um, Don't insult boss coffee. That was sorry. unneeded. Yeah. What? Unnecessary. I did drive by us. Um, <laughs> no, the, ca- the color we're going for is called couch potato. It's like an off-white, slightly dark off-white. The color that will be directed behind me in the feature wall is called After Dark, I want to say, which is like a dark green. Um, and then my, my partner's um, study, she's gone for a very dark blue. She's going for this whole sort of Bioshock-esque theme, Ooh. a lot of timber, Ooh. gold, and like rich colors. Okay. We love that, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be interesting. Be interesting. On brand. I like it. But like I said, I've been living my nightmare. Speaking of nightmares, I forced that segue. It's almost Halloween. Halloween's next week. So we thought we'd get into the get into the spooky season spirit, which was a brave sentence for somebody with a lisp. Um, <laughs> and we'd, we'd focus on a, you know, a, a legendary horror franchise. We've already done Resident Evil, and I think this, ne- this next franchise is, would be next in line when it comes to talking about important horror series this is a series that keelan uh simon and myself aren't all that familiar with however josh i think is a bit of a super fan oh yeah oh yeah so josh tell us about silent hill so uh, i do think it's important for me to point out where i came into the franchise and you know what i have played and what i do know um so i never grew up grew up playing silent hill um I guess the releases weren't really contemporary to my age demographic at the time. I'm a baby. I'm a dumb baby. Um, And these games all came out before, you know, (laughs) some of my favorite (laughs) games here came out when I was just discovering games for the first time. And I was not playing these psychological horror games. Um, So I did come come to these after the fact, after PT got delisted, really. Um, So that was probably, what, 2015, 2016? Um, So I was just a dumb teenager finishing high school and, you know, skipping class um but like <laughs> i want to say i want to make myself sound not completely pathetic you know there's something ridiculous. that was pretty cool but um fell in love with resident evil fell in love with silent hill um played all the games love them know the ones that i do like know the ones that i don't like know where i want the franchise to go um but starting off um legendary franchise uh silent hill actually did release in 1999 on the PlayStation. Um, I think it's gotten a PC port since. Actually, no, this is the only game, actually, I believe, in the franchise to only be on PS1. Oh, yeah, so the rest came to PC. Some of the other ones did here and there, um, but they're still not widely released ports or anything like that. Um, Silent Hill 1, PS1 game, launches in 1999, developed by a team in Konami that would come to be known as Team Silent. Um, includes people like the composer, the director, certain character modelers, story writers. Um, and a lot of these men would juggle uh, multiple like hats during development and they trade off and they trade up. And in one role, they like, might be a producer. The next year, they might be directing the project. Um, and these games just came out fluidly um, over about like 13 years, 14 years. It was a pop culture icon, I'd say almost to the degree of Tomb Raider, but I'd only say that because it got like a major motion picture adaptation as well. So it's kind of like an interesting space that inhabits where it's like, it's not quite as mainline as Resident Evil. When you think of video game adaptations, it's lumped in there with Tekken or or something like that, you know? 
But like this, this was Konami's, uh, you know, reaction to Resident Evil. For all intents and purposes, yes. The yeah. higher-ups at Konami literally came over to this team of screw-ups at the time. Um, a really alienated crew of just like, you know, breakfast club rejects. <laughs> um, <laughs> all just hanging around, having a joint in Japan after class. You know how it is. Um, no. And they pretty much went like, yeah, we want you to rip off Resident Evil, do what it's doing with horror movie, you know, B-movie archetypes. Do that for psychological horror, I guess. Make it a bit, have it a you know, have a more interactive role. Um, eventually, yeah, they did put out this product um, after a few years of development. And uh, I think it exceeded everyone's expectations. Um, I think it showed that there's a lot of talent in some of these employees um, and the way they approach storytelling um, is phenomenal and is my favorite storytelling in all of video games, hands down. Like, at its core, what what is Silent Hill? So um, it explores... Uh, the titular town um, where essentially spoilers for what we're going to get into with this first game, uh, a cult, a cult that's wanting to pretty much summon a demonic entity back to take over the world. Pretty simple witchy cult stuff. You know, you'll see lots of weird hexes and designs on the ground in the first game, um, which starts actually when the protagonist, Harry Mason, um, father to adopted daughter, Cheryl, um, is just driving to Sign Hill for a visit. Um, so he's going under the pretense that his daughter really wanted to go. She kind of nagged him at him a bit. And while they're driving to Silent Hill one night, um, there's, he sees a girl in the middle of the road and he swerves, hits a rock and passes out. Uh, when he awakes, uh, Cheryl's nowhere to be seen, of course. So he sets off in search of her, um, walking into Silent Hill. Um, of course we got the fog, the iconic fog. Um, which everyone by now knows, of course, is to limit, um, you know, what they're rendering on screen at a time. Really oh, clever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, another Amazing. memorable way they use that kind of snowy, misty, you know, tact to really good use, I felt like was, I remember playing the South Park game on 64 and PS1 and being impressed that it gelled with the aesthetic um, just because I'd, I was used to Turok and Doom and all these other games playing around with fog and... Um, things like that. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, it does something really cool where, you know, it's the contemporaries at the time was Resident Evil and Resident Evil games were quite confined. You know, mm-hmm. you were in a police station, you were in a mansion. That's right. In Silent Hill, when you could go outside. Yeah. Yes, the fog there was like the camera isn't fixed either for large parts when you're exploring the town. So it is behind your back. It feels like a 3D open world game. Yeah. And it made just the threats really felt like they could come from anywhere that's right, because yeah. you are in this massive open town yeah and i mean like that's a huge part of the game as well is you're meant to feel like an everyman um somebody who isn't necessarily proficient with his tools here so when he's aiming a gun so and the controls you're just a a, a, a bloke that's right. <laughs> just a dude you're not yeah, a cop just, you're not just a guy. marine you don't have powers and it plays into how simplistic and random kind of the combat can be you know you've got a um you know, you've got a button that will raise your weapon and lock onto an enemy. The longer you stay locked on, the more accurate it becomes. You know, things like that. And then you pull the trigger, of course, and pop them off. But it has a larger focus on melee weapons as well, which I thought was a lot more um, engaging to me personally. In a Resident Evil game, I speed run that shit. I am blasting through it, blowing zombies in the face. It's like a well-oiled machine. 
here everything's a bit like sorry if you're blowing zombies in the face you've definitely downloaded the hot coffee mod <laughs> damn <laughs> well um speaking of silent hill no um so harry's looking for his daughter she's gone missing and as he's going through the town he stumbles across a couple of denizens that are are a part of this cult um they're led by a kind of witchy evil lady named dahlia um who wants to pretty much <sighs> Dahlia had a daughter once, I guess. Um, and then it goes in this whole big backstory. You get the whole monologue um, where Dahlia was pretty much trying to get her daughter to birth Satan and try to impregnate her daughter with Satan. So um, I do want to say, as we proceed through these stories, we should have said at the start, we need like a trigger warning. Um, there's some pretty serious stuff to do with like drug abuse, uh, sexual assault, all kinds of things throughout all these games that's... Like they go really deep and more dark and effed up than you'd think. So I do want to just Jeez, put that out there. Which is not what I expected. Mm. I watched a bunch of videos and stuff like that to to research this episode. I didn't think that they got so much into sort of like oh we're going places the, like, in the next psychosexual elements. No, of the no, game. no. I'm like, it, whoa. They, once you understand these things, um, we'll get to it, especially in Silent Hill too. But um, sexuality is huge in this franchise, and um, I think it does it really well. It explores it in a really well way. Um, so. Moving on, pretty much while we're traversing the town, we meet up with a police officer who's investigating the town, thinks something's off. Of course, it's foggy. There's monsters, weird shit's going down, and she can't communicate to anyone with her police radio. That's so, about as far as I have gone in Silent Hill 1. That is excellent. where I am at. And so this is, <laughs> yeah, it. it's an excellent, like, point to stop off honestly at here you get a taste of everything um harry making his way through the town sees all kinds of messed up torture porn of skin getting hung across the streets and barbed wire and he's hearing these bomb sirens wailing as you know the world kind of changes into the other side this mysterious silent hill that's more rusted and instead of having the fog has this more bloody kind of feel um the other world. The other world. It comes, like, even the music here, which I, I think <laughs> deserves special mention. Uh, these first few games have phenomenal soundtracks. Yeah. Um, composed mm -hmm. by Akira Yamaoka. Um, just phenomenal soundtracks. Some of my all-time favorites. Incredibly, like, awesome, like, pop music as well. Like, <laughs> really classy person. Um, but this is where um, getting the radio is introducing to you the mechanic of um, when you hear static coming through or you feel your controller vibrate, if you have a dual shock, there's an enemy nearby. So it makes navigating the fog, of course, easier because, you know, when they can't render an enemy on screen, you can still register, hey, there's someone over there in the corner. Harry might tilt his head or something as well, which is really cool for the time. Um, but yeah, so the radio starts playing an integral plot part in the role. Um, but as the franchise goes on, they kind of move away from that mechanic um and it's something that we will see return in pt we talk about that later um anyway so harry figures out uh -huh. through um going to a abandoned hospital in this town that there was um a drug ring being run here um pretty much the doctors were handing out dope left and right um and there was a nurse there named lisa who will be important later in pt discussion um who was hooked <gasps> on these drugs um, and she was tripping out like the whole time. Um, but this nurse was actually tending to Dahlia's daughter. So da that's how Dahlia gets tangled into the blood, the, the whole drug scheme. So anyway, this witchy lady Dahlia, um, is pretty much 
trying to impregnate her daughter with Satan and her body's trying to fight it. And there's all kinds of, you know, like light and dark stuff, fighting all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Um, this Lisa, this nurse, who's a drug addict now for trying to wanting to help this kid, um, is just dissolving entirely. And you actually come across her and you're able to speak to her and you have a couple of nice, tender, um, intimate moments with her. Um, it's really nice. And she kind of helps ground you in this setting. Anyway, found out her boss, this doctor who is peddling the drugs, um, is a part of the cult and is, you know, of course, doing all kinds of shady stuff. Anyway, so Dahlia's daughter is pretty much in a coma state, in a comatose state. Um, she's pretty much all charred up and burned. She's lived through, like, unimaginable torment, but she cannot die. Okay? At this point, we get Wait, into some... Wait, hold up. Wait. How old were you when you played this? Like, 16, 15. How fucked up was it? Oh, dude, you, if you knew my life growing up there, it's ain't much. I'm, pre- I'm pretty traumatized to fucking back. Because, like, that's the thing. Like, I, I remember seeing... This is back in my, um, let's say, video hits days. Oh, video hits at the time. Video easy days. When I'd go every week and go rent a new game. And I remember seeing Silent Hill often. I saw, like, Silent Hill, Resident Evil, Siren, stuff like that. And for some reason, I just, I was, I, I, I picked up... Resident Evil. I think I just had one of those fork in the road moments yeah. in my gaming sort of life. I picked up Resident Evil instead of Silent Hill. It's really annoying now that looking back because it's so into psych- I, I I really enjoy psychological horror. Yeah, dude. And this is it. Resident Evil's never really been that. Oh. Been action horror, survival horror, never really been psychological. No. Um, and I think unfairly, I've always said that, look, games, I've never really been scared in a game. I've been unsettled. Yeah. I think We've discussed it before, like a game like Inside made me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. But obviously it wasn't a horror, it wasn't a horror. Didn't feel scared by it. I think I just I kind of messed up. I think if I started playing Silent Hill when I was younger, 100%, man. and probably more impressionable, this would have this would have I do feel like these games, if they were made more approachable, um 100% would be way more popular. You know, put these on Game Pass, let people play them. Um they're just locked down to some really strange platforms. I mean, if you want to play Silent Hill 1, you either shell out hundreds of dollars for a copy of the original game or you hop on the PlayStation Store on your Vita or PS3. You know I will. Oh, you know I'll dude, the Vita it's worth it. Like it's worth it. <laughs> um, but, like, 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 not to go... I want to avoid the plot too much because I, I really want to play these games. Oh, now that I've dude. looked into them, I really want to play them. Yeah. But I want to touch on... Sort so of- I've, I am... I'm jumping over some huge points here, side characters that I'm not going to mention um, just because I do feel like it is left best up to your interpretation. And they yeah. also flesh mm. out a lot of the main core stuff I want to tell you about, but also because if you don't ever hear this stuff, I don't think you're actually going to want to play the games. I feel like with some, how crazy this story gets, like you want to kind of be in on it. It's kind of metal geary, um, <laughs> but. Oh, okay. You've, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's that's the that's the selling point, Jesse's doctor. <laughs> <laughs> right. So pretty much we've got Dahlia, our witchy mum, who is torturing her daughter. Okay, and all we know is that seven years ago, yeah, she was tortured, being brought back to life and all this stuff just to try and summon Satan. Okay. Um what we come to discover is that the events you're seeing around you and the interpretation of Silent Hill that is being displayed around you when you go to the other world is her living nightmare it's um her worst fears all the pain and torment she's kind of endured just like manipulated onto the environment um and that explains a lot of the sounds you hear a lot of the creature designs um and things like that so 
when so this... the nurses are Lisa, the nurse that she sees. So yeah, Lisa's the nurse she sees, and she's a companion you have in this adventure. Um, and you start hearing stories about this girl, Alessa, who was tortured and maimed and all this stuff, burned at the stake, you know, um, all in hopes of birthing the Antichrist, essentially. Anyway, Alessa's soul gets Kingdom Heartsy. You know, she splits her soul in two so, you know, the pure oh, one can live on. All that rubbish. And you can imagine the part of the soul that was split in two was the seven-year-old Cheryl, um, Harry's daughter, who he came to the town searching for. Does that make sense? No, because it doesn't at all. And this is why you said it gets Metal Gear Solidy. <laughs> yes, yeah. Which is fair. So anyway, so you, does you make said sense, it gets Metal Gear yeah. Solidy and you compared it to Kingdom Hearts just then? No, I don't understand where we are. So there's like <laughs> a little a little girl, a little powerful girl, witchy girl, who is getting abused by her mother and she's inflicting all that pain and torment onto the world as she sees it um, because she, that's all she knows. Um, but she's not necessarily an evil person at heart. So she splits a part of her soul into another little girl that is adopted by Harry and his wife. Um, you've come to find that Dahlia actually called Cheryl back for a kind of reunion kind of thing, you know, to actually birth the Antichrist through our daughter, Cheryl. Um, so you have some mm-hmm. fun there. You uncover the crime ring. You talk to Lisa. You grow to love her. Um, and then what happens is, it, depending on if or if not, you choose to engage with the drug side story, that will be presented as very optional and you will not be forced to take it up. And a lot of people miss it. Um, If you don't go through with the drug side story, you get a bad ending um, pretty abruptly where Harry dies essentially. And the Antichrist is rebirthed. But if you go through with the drug plot, um, we pull on the power of friendship and all kinds of good stuff happens (laughs) and you get pretty much like holy water or what they call an aglophidus that pretty much, you know, depossesses our, and that's the end of the story, pretty much. In my head, I've just imagined, like, the, how, do, how do we stop assuming Satan? Did you do a side quest? Yep. I've got a lot of cocaine on me. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> it's the pure stuff, Party I promise. That's the script I need Charlie Day for, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Day's pyramid head. So if you do have this item you get from doing this drug side quest, you save the day. Um, and in the process, Alessa talks to you, this tortured little girl that says, thank you, I am now free. I'm going to gift upon you, you know, a newly reborn Cheryl that is again a baby, um, razor as you will, but this time there will be no outside, like, you know, meddling from Dahlia. So that's the end of the game. Harry has his daughter, but she's aged back seven years. She's a baby again. Yeah, and he's I, I don't know growing her from scratch. That. So I will say later on the franchise, they explain a lot more of that, minor spoilers. Um, and they even give her a new name because this really isn't the same entity that was that poor little girl that got lost. Yeah, and it's right. not the same entity as a poor tortured girl that you know sees nothing but charred corpses. Um, this is a completely new being. But at the time, yes, walking, walking away from that game, I was like, put the controller down. Holy crap, I didn't save my daughter. My daughter got immolated. Like this is, <laughs> this is really heavy stuff. Um, yeah. So this is why I- full on. Like me. This is why I pick Fur Fighters off the shelf. This is where I have to break character and I have to say that I don't really vibe with culty, witchy stories as much. I really love the aesthetic and the vibes this game gives off. And it's very unique in the franchise because it's the only one that dives headfirst into those culty um, Blair Witch <laughs> kind of, you know, vibes. Okay, a lot yeah. of what you see in the medium. Um, and that's expressed a lot with the creature designs. You get more kind of like gothic bats and stuff um, instead of some of the 
more infamous designs we get in a little bit. Um, can, can I make some commentary about like just the the visual design, like and the choices that they made? Oh, when they it is phenomenal. Masahiro dude. Ito, I think, um, is the name of the artist. Phenomenal dude. Um, still does art. Did work for Metal Gear Survive. That was really phenomenal and um, well executed. And what we're going to get into Incredible. going into the Actually, second game. The zombie game, design and survival pretty cool. Ah, uh, so it, it like crystal zombie. It was yeah. some big spoiler monster that uh, uh, breaks the whole story. Um, but moving on, I am going to start talking more about the enemy designs, what they mean, and what they kind of are meant to reflect within the story. These games are so holistic. <laughs> like the story is communicated mm. through lore as we have now <laughs> have entire genres like souls and stuff. Um, you reading these things really fleshes it out and gives it more depth. Um, so I'm going to inflict a lot of my own readings for the stories moving forward and what it means to me because um, the games do get interpretive. Um, and I will acknowledge that now, especially starting with Silent Hill 2. And I think that's why it is the fan favorite. Moving into it um, has an incredibly hostile fan base. Um, a lot of people really want this game. Hold up. An, a hostile fan base in video games? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Never heard of that I, one before. I just think Silent Hill 2 fans either, they get a bad rap because, oh, you're a Silent Hill 2 baby and you only like that. It's the Gen 1 argument, you know? Oh, you yeah. jumped in at the popular one or, you know, you were there before everyone else. It's dumb elitism. I mean, um, but Silent Hill 2, like when it came out, it, it was regarded as the best horror game of all time. Oh, I've launched months after the PS2 launch. It's it's gorgeous. And it, the game still looks phenomenal. Um, yeah, some of the face, the facial capturing you see in some of the behind the scenes videos, unreal for the time, dude. Like they were doing Uncharted stuff back in 2001. Okay. So Silent Hill 2 launches on the PS2 in 2001 and it gets followed up with a PC and an Xbox port in 2002. Um, of course, we've got PS3 and 360 versions as well through the Silent Hill HD collection. Um, generally, fans will warn you not to play this version. Um, they're riddled with bugs and issues and were even developed using early build of the original games. So they're missing stuff. <laughs> it's not great. Don't play them. I've played them. Um, have, <laughs> Don't play them. I've played them. It's one of those things where if it's the only way you can play it, <laughs> go for it. Um, I've got the collection. I've played a lot of it and I love playing the game, so it's no problem, but I don't... Don't think it should be a first experience with the franchise. I will say that, okay? Um, the PS2 version is still the best version. Xbox loses some stuff but adds some new stuff. PC can be phenomenal. Just mod it to hell and back. There's a sticky. <laughs> Go read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Silent Hill 2, 2001, not long after launch of the PS2, we get our first look at it. Um, so, again, this is made by the same Team Silent, these neglected staff members within Konami that are now just huge superstars, you know, within the company. They're rising up there. Um, Silent Hill is becoming a name that you can see alongside Metal Gear Solid. Um, so... This game kind of moves away from the culty side of things and starts to explore the psychology of its lead protagonist here. Um, 
less of a plot, more so a, a general breaking down of this person's psychosis and what they're experiencing. This is a deep dive on a white male um, <laughs> this, that was released in 2001, I believe, before 9-11. Um, and that's just really interesting to me. Um, it's also written by a Japanese man, <laughs> voiced by so many different people, motion captured by different people. Um, and the whole game gets given this really off kilter David Lynch kind of feel where everything's kind of too smooth and some of the animations are really realistic, but other ones are real stilted. We're really in the uncanny valley here. Um, but they use it to great effect to make you feel uncomfortable, to make you yeah, question <laughs> why a 17-year-old looks like a 45-year-old grieving mother. It's These characters are going through some shit <laughs> and they're presented in a way we don't normally see them in games, um, even if it's a bit schlubby. So This is cool because I've never heard this angle of Silent Hill 2. Mm. Really? I Silent Hill and I just think of just... Okay, horror games, I'm imagining it just as Resident no, Evil, man. but the, the dude has a big metal tin. No, this is, the, this is the reason I like these games, man. I, I think you'd have so much to love and appreciate and in retrospect, appreciate what they had to say at the time um, about, <laughs> about so many things. Um, but pretty much the game starts as James Sunderland and in a weird callback to your favorite Resident Evil game, Resident Evil 7, <laughs> he's in search of his dead wife. Uh. <laughs> Hang on a second. I think yeah. I've read this one before. So I think Resident Evil 7 really used that as, like, as a homage. When I first saw that, I thought we were getting a Silent Hill 2 remake. Um, but anyway, so James Sunderland, a recently widowed young man, gets a letter from his deceased partner. But she's dead. How can that happen? That shouldn't what happen. What the hell? Yeah, she's saying, come meet me at our favorite holiday spot in Silent Hill where we had all those romantic weekends together, you know? This, this is just Resident Evil 7. Yeah. So she's just like... <laughs> He's swept up with this illusion that, you know, she might be alive. What the hell? I have to get to the bottom of it. And he's questioning every step of the way. The first step, the first scene we see is him literally looking in a mirror, disgusted by himself as he's just like, can't even proceed to walk into town. He hypes himself up. You leave the like park bathroom, the public bathroom that's filthy. And you start going into town. You start going into a cemetery. And here you meet a young woman um, named Angela Orozco, uh, a teenage runaway searching for her mother. Um, she seems very unsettled and she's actually holding a knife in the cemetery. So you kind of like approach her a bit calmly and ask, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? I'm looking for my wife. Do you know where she is? But also she's dead. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> but also she's dead. So like, don't think I'm crazy. She reveals that she's also searching for somebody who's dead and she wants to be with her parents, uh, with her mother who is dead. Um, but she's very frightened of her father. Um, apparently he's done despicable things and she just hates men in general because of it. Um, you That's take fair. the knife from her. You say you can't leave her alone with it because she's playing with it really delicately. Um, you wrestle it away from her and you proceed through town. You now have a knife. <laughs> this is talking somebody down from suicide not what I expected at all. over their parents' grave. <laughs> um, along the way, yeah, you come across another young person named Eddie Dombrowski. He's a jockey kind of guy in high school, but he's a bit rotund. And um, the story plays into the fact that he got bullied quite a bit for wanting to be, you know, fullback. <laughs> and everyone just being like, nah, man, you're too big. You can't do it. You're not fit enough. Whatever bullshit. Um, and you slowly find out that he killed a dog and that's really strange. And he seems really unsettled by the fact that he shot a dog. Um, he's experiencing real grief for it and he's throwing up and things like that. And he's trying not to eat because he has this whole body dysmorphia kind of deal going on. 
Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And fuck. then you also just come across a little eight year old girl um, who was just friends with Mary. Um, her name was Laura. Um, she was an orphan and, you know, they played around with the idea of maybe adopting her someday. But once Mary died, things fell off and James didn't really try to tie things up. Can you just meet a person in this game like, hi, I'm Chris. I work at the Foot Locker. <laughs> I have no big mysterious past. But I, I'm not haunted. I want to kill everyone. I just, I have a job. This is still a town. There's got to be some people who are just on their way. So we're like assembling a cast of characters here at this point. We got all these people yeah. all experiencing their own problems. And you're like, I wonder why they're coming to Silent Hill. They're planting that seed. These people are actually asking why they're here now because they don't want to leave. Um, but while you're there, um, you think you've run into your wife. Um, and it's really strange. You've run into a doppelganger of your wife. Your wife's name was Mary. The doppelganger's name is Maria, obviously. And mm. she looks exactly the same, but she dresses a bit in a bit skimpier clothing. She has a bit more skin and she's a lot more confident and boisterous. And um, he kind of likes that. Uh, <laughs> and he makes no like hiding that he's into this fact, um, even though he's looking for his wife, supposedly. Um, so they have a weird flirty tension, but, you know, things are kind of uncomfortable. And out of nowhere, she gets absolutely murdered <laughs> in a cutscene, um, just really brutally, horribly. And you're like, damn, did I just lose my wife again? What? I don't care if it was Maria or what. Um, but you actually do run into an iconic character for the franchise, we got Pyramid Head here, boys. Yeah, boys. In the very first scene, we see Pyramid Head in. He is actually sexually assaulting a leggy enemy that we just encountered previously. Um, this I regret cheering. This iconic yeah, character's wow. very first scene is literally James goes into a room, he is breathing, hides, gets pushed like into a cupboard, herring in a corner. I saw this bit. Yeah. And it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Pyramid Head is just like actually forcing another one of these monsters that you've been fighting. Um, and it's incredibly uncomfortable and it's just a lot of squirming. Um, and you're like, damn, what the hell? And why is this enemy also so leggy? It's like, just like literally spider legs, you know, like, ugh, it's really weird. Um, but then plays into the whole fact that all the enemies were coming across in this one actually play a role in the story and can be explained as we go on. So keep in mind, we're talking about Pyramid Head. We're talking about these mannequin enemies that are just these sexy legs, you know? Um, but... My favorite. Sorry, I'm just catching up to my notes. <clears throat> so, like, for example, there is one enemy that is kind of iconic um, called a lying figure. Um, it resembles a faceless person in a straitjacket made of their own flesh they're squirming and slithering but they can't get out um kind of explaining where james is at where it's kind of he can't escape the reality of his wife being dead um and he's just driving now he's just in pain it's really effed up um i do want to say going through and playing these games holy crap um these games make me think of depression and you know bleak moments in my life and things like that um and i feel like a large part of the experience of playing them is overcoming a lot of those struggles and helping a lot of the characters along the way or not. Um, but it, it is a very empathetic game that asks you to explore a lot of different emotions. And I think that can also really turn some people off. Um, like we got a yeah. big iconic baddie to the tier of nemesis 
And the way we just got introduced to him is incredibly confusing, incredibly uncomfortable, um, and comes at a point in the game where you don't know what to expect or what's coming next. Horrifying. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, such a weird thing. Like, oh, I didn't know that side of... No. It's kind of like how, you know, you see people with like like a Freddy Krueger t-shirt yeah. on and stuff like that. It's like, we found out his backstory at one yeah, point. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Do you want him on a t-shirt? <laughs> Do you want a tattoo of him? That's right. It's kind of like that when you find out, you find out a little bit too much about that character. Um, Daenerys. Because like Daenerys being, you know, Syndrome. Halloween, all my, like so much of my Twitter timeline is people posting thirst about horror villains. <laughs> oh. And one oh, of the big dude. ones is Pyramid Oh, Head. yeah. Well, like that's I didn't expect. Well, that's what we're getting no. into right now. So, like full spoiler mode for Silent Hill Two here. Big part of Pyramid Head's design is his obviously sexualized torso. Um, he's showing off some skin. He's looking great. We're happy for him. He's buff. He's he's more skinny jacked. He's lean, I would say, but we appreciate it. He's put in the work. Uh, <laughs> and of course, the well, big you know, you're in the big, big angular pyramid head is kind of a thing. What's with that? So it does play into symbology later on that I'm going to get to here. So big spoiler, moving forward, playing through the game, you start to realize the horrors in this Silent Hill we're playing through aren't manifestations of a lesser suffering as in the first one. But these are James's internal, like this is James's personal hell um, that he's just been placed in. And the town is using all that against him to torture him and make him come to either some kind of realization or a bloody <laughs> horrible death. Um, so the iconic red pyramid thing or pyramid head, as it is known by now is um, designed to be a representation of James subconscious wish for punishment. James wants to be punished and he's created this delusion of pyramid head to punish him. This beefy, souped up dude very angular head um it's so going into it here we start to piece together that all the enemies have been coming up against whether it be the sexy nurses or any number of other bosses that we've fought some of them literally being uh, looking like a person poking through a sheet kind of like in i think it's in like the friday the 13th movie where he's over the bed kind of like that but like obviously sexual um and it, you come to realize that one of the main characters that we've become familiarized with was abused a lot as a child. Um, and the way they've internalized this is through this monster that we take on and we defeat and we help them work through, albeit momentarily. Um, so sexy nurses, why is this a thing? Why are the characters in Silent Hill sexualized? Dude, of course it looks great on a box. It looks good on some teenager's t-shirt. But the reason for this is because James's wife was sick um, and he really loved her, um, and he was still really attracted to her, but that kind of started to fade away with time as she got worse and worse. So those are representations of his own sexual guilt, um, a lot of pent up frustration. Um, and I think that alone is something you don't see enough in games. Um, the fact that the more you look at it, Pyramid Head is literally toxic masculinity, um, in work. Even when you think about it, um, little male and female symbols you see in like Pokemon and stuff. The male mm. one has the triangle. Yeah. So it's literally, uh, it's literally meant to I be. I just imagine when you say toxic mm. masculinity is like uh pyramid head. Do you want to 
Do a hand carrying the hat? No, no. I got it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I got this. But, uh, He's carrying like 10 grocery bags in each hand. You make it through the town. You meet up with these people. You help them out. Um, a lot of it doesn't go well. Some of them try to kill you even um, and show they're unstable. Eddie, our jockey boy from earlier, uh, you come to find out that he killed his coach that was bullying him back in school. Um, he shot the coach's dog. And when the coach found him, he shot the coach in the leg and made a run straight for Silent Hill. He doesn't know why he went there. I ran over his dog, and if I do- replace the dog with son, <laughs> I re- replace accidentally with repeated. And a lot of Eddie's stories actually told through just like newspaper clippings, of course, you read along the way and things like that. Um, but ultimately, um, when we get to this hotel that James stayed at with his wife, Mary, um, he comes across Maria again, who we just found out is the doppelganger that died. Um, she continues to die. Um repeatedly kind of just like torturing James over and over and over in really effed up situations um, culminating in a moment where James is stuck in a room with two of the pyramid head guys. And he has to realize that putting things all in perspective, Mary didn't die of a disease. Um, She was unwell, but he actually kind of euthanized her himself. Um, So he's dealing with a lot of guilt from that because he really did love her. He just, couldn't bear to see her in pain and sick and unable to even be with him physically. Um, so there's a lot of... Hold up a moment. You said there were multiple pyramid heads. So there's more than there's one. more than one. It's one. just a manifestation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, again, whenever I th- so thought of Silent Hill, like he compared Pyramid Head before to like, you know, mm-hmm. Mr. X, Nemesis. Mm-hmm. I thought that's how it was in the game. It was just, oh. you have to escape this town you lost in. And he's a villain who he no, can't beat. Dude. It chases you around. So we will that. come back. This is way deeper than I expected. Oh, yeah. Pyramid Head represents so much. And he's one of the most mishandled characters <laughs> ever um, just for how much they wanted to sell out this license um, for bullshit. And I, I cannot stand it. Um, look yeah. at the resident. If yeah. anyone playing Dead by Daylight, Pyramid Head had just become available. Yeah, right. Uh, great. No, <laughs> it's still cool to see him <laughs> in that because it's a decent game. Um, but they definitely do try to whore out that property a bit. Alas. Moving on. Um, yeah, James comes to realize that he was the one who killed Mary. And um, as a matter of fact, her body is in his trunk right now. Um, he literally just killed her after suffering through years of this mystery illness. Um, obviously some form of cancer or something like that. Um, and he just comes to terms with it that he has to put her out of it because she isn't her anymore and he cannot bear it. Uh, so all the sexualized nurses, things like that, um, just a lot of the designs depicting a lot of weird genitalia and things like that are all representing this kind of frustration that he was feeling. Um, as he watched her pass essentially. Um, so after pretty much putting her out of her misery in a hospital bed, he packed her up, threw her in the back of his car and literally drove to Silent Hill, um, manifesting this whole illusion about a letter and things like that. So it's here that James's story comes to a close. He's able to reflect on his actions and has the opportunity to see how the other visitors, having been dealt their final blow by the town, um, how they kind of pull themselves together. So they've all been put through similar experiences, of course. They've had this absolutely debilitating gut blow on the level of Mayor, of James discovering he killed Mary um, and coming to terms with that. We come across Angela, this young woman that was abused by her father who was going through a horrendous amount of shit and we have talked out of suicide multiple times. Um, we meet her in a room that is on fire. And they have this incredible one-on-one. They do encourage people to actually check out um, that while the acting is not incredible, is very eerie and uncomfortable. Um, 
but you know, James is kind of freaking out by the fact that we're in a burning building and you need to get out of here. Like your mum's not here. Like, dude, we got to get out of here. Like we've both been through a lot. And she just says that it for her, it always burns like this. And she just walks up the stairwell and just burns alive. And that's the end of it, of, of her. <laughs> and it's just, it's incredibly Whoa. impactful um, watching her struggle with a lot of the issues that she was going through mentally um, and overcome them a lot of the time, thanks to you. And then at the very end, dude, you were seeing a different version of Silent Hill to her. For her, it is always like this. It is always on fire. She's always smothered in the flames. Um, and she just, she just chooses to leave. Um, so I'm just rattling through all the games that I borrowed instead of Silent Hill from <laughs> how lighthearted they were. It's like, oh, should I, buy, should I borrow Silent Hill? No, I'll, buy, I'll get Urban Chaos Riot response. Dude, like this is... Which, great game. This is the kind of game that um, every time I've played it, I've beaten it the same day. Um, it's I can beat it about 60 hours. I'm not p- t- particularly great at it. I don't use guns. I use a lot of like hand-to-hand weapons. Um, but it is a phenomenal like popcorn movie night game. Um, to really get you in the feelings as well and spook you. Um, but hmm. just like the last game where you had a good ending and a bad ending where Harry died or not, we have multiple endings again. There's six this time. They're not as different, but I'll go through them and we'll explain all of them and what they mean because they're all important. There's no single definitive ending to this game and it is up to interpretation. There have been novelizations released of this game that are focused on one of the endings, my favorite ending um, that I will get to. Um, But to start off, to get the leave ending wherein James leaves the town, we need to keep your health high throughout the game. Heal frequently if you're injured. Check Mary's photo and letter in your inventory as often as you can. Don't spend time with the imposter Maria um, and don't look at the knife in your inventory all that often. If you inspect it too often, it equates it with ideation. So (laughs) the game keeps track of how often you spend time looking at the knife, how often you spend gazing at a picture of your lost wife. Um, It's it's pretty full on. And the way they calculate these endings always feels supernatural to your play style. Because of course, if you were going through the game, inspecting lots of documents on the history of the town and some of the occult goings on, you can bet there's an ending for that where um, James actually tries to resurrect his wife <laughs> using all kinds of occult tools. Um, you don't see the outcome, of course, but it kind of shows where he's at. Um, and it's really fun being rewarded for engaging with you know, hidden jewels in tombs and stuff like that. Like the game knows how you're playing it. It tries to like appeal to that. Whereas you care, if you care about the psychological story going on and the plot and the drama, of course you got to get an ending that ties up that more. Really cool stuff. So my personal favorite. If I ever die, can you promise me all of you to use all ritual (laughs) learnings and, and, you know, things like that to bring me back. I don't care if I come back as some sort of demon. That'd be pretty cool. Be pretty cool. I just want it done, okay? I'll keep hosting. <laughs> so, yeah, in that first ending, of course, uh, the leave ending, you leave town. Um, you speak with Mary one last time or a psychosis of her, I guess it can be assumed, reads the full letter that Mary wrote to her, wrote to him before she died, telling him how much she loves her and how much she can't bear to see him in so much pain that he's in and that he's not a bad person. Um he also takes Laura, the little girl they were talking about adopting, and adopts her. So it's Dr. Mystic ending, right? Um, you don't show a lot of interest in the knife. You play things safe. You don't interact and flirt with the other girl. 
Then my favorite ending is called the in water ending. Um, this one you get pretty pretty often if you're me. Um, you get this one if you keep your health low. Um, so if James gets injured, don't heal up necessarily straight away. Uh, let it you know just linger for a bit. Um, check in on the knife often. Um, you want to make sure you view the knife a few times. Um, read the patient's diary on a roof of a building and another little message to James in a bar. Um, these ones, at one point you will go through like a bar in town and there'll be blood scrawled on the wall where there wasn't before. And I'll say like, get out, James, you know, things like that. Just weird stuff to put you on edge. But if you kind of linger and you kind of dwell on the negatives, um, James doesn't want to live after his actions, hops straight in the car at the very beginning of the game and drives straight into the lake at the front of the town. Um, this ending reveals that Mary was inside the trunk of the car the entire time and they're going down together in the lake. Um, he just wants to be with her. Um, so this is the ending I got the very first time and I was a bloody mess. Um, de That's depending on what yeah. ending you get as well, you get a different reading of a letter from Mary. Um, they can go on for quite some time. <laughs> it kind of sounds like a novella or something you might be listening to because it really is just this woman reading out how much she loves you and how much she cares about you and how amazing you are or how you're not there and how you're spaced out and things like that. Or um, Is it bad yeah. that my... I've drawn this straight away, drawn this correlation between... So you drive into the lake. Um, you, become, you become obsessive at that point. There's a letter being written out to you. This is the film clip for Eminem and Daughters. <laughs> it is, uh, 100%. <laughs> but like... Stan Hill. This is the ending that's gotten the most attention after the game came out. Uh, a lot of people just prefer this one um, as the most canon ending. I think it's bleak as hell, but it cuts me. It cuts me deep. And it makes complete sense for the story um, and the way you're perceiving the world. If James is really seeing the world in this weird effed up psychosis, I like he's so far gone and the things that he's imagining with pyramid head and some of these monstrosities, these absolute body horror, he's going through it. <laughs> he's going through it real bad. It, it seems it, it messed up as it messed up as it is. It's totally consistent. It is yeah. 100%. Like, oh, yeah. and you, that makes sense. Like if you were to write a story and it, like if, yeah. if this is a novel or a movie or whatever, that's the ending you would, you would 100%. Do, that makes sense. 100%. It makes complete Sucks, sense. That makes sense. Um, but it's, it's, really nails just how obsessive and creepy it has gotten at that point. Um, of course, there is another ending um, other than the immortal one where you actually get to live with Maria. Um, this is if you pay a lot of attention to Maria. You don't run into her too often because you do a little bumping animation that knocks her over and things like that. Um, <laughs> keep her safe, keep her well-fed, whatever. Engage with her a lot. You're going to get an ending where James meets up with this... Um, version of Mary or whatever that he's imagined um, tells her that he understands, but he moves on and he's found someone else and he has Maria. Um, they kitch it out of the city as fast as they can. Cause they can't wait to start their new life together. Cause everything's going to be perfect. Now he's gotten exactly what he wanted. Um, and the game just kind of ends with her coughing, knowing that she got the same illness and the guy's just uh. going to go through this again um, as the ultimate F you from silent Hill. So Silent Hill is actively... Games are cruel. So at this point, we've merged into two different directions. You have the cult story and you have the psychological side where we are pretty much putting this character through therapy and the game is that unraveling this person's mind. So those are the two main, like, primary schools of thought in Silent Hill fandom. Um, you either go down the route of the first game or the second. Every game we touch on from here on out 
you're going to be able to tell which one it follows depending on what they focus on and how successful they were. Um, but Josh, Silent Hill 2, yeah. I just got to say, man, like when we came into this <laughs> episode of Story Mode, a video game <laughs> podcast, I was expecting just a fun light-hearted romp through a campy survival <laughs> horror story yeah the, uh, that was to be like entertained like, I saw had not dick on twitter horrified yeah. yep. dude that dude, is fucking it's, heavy. so silent hill 2 is one of the greatest wow. games of all time i did so many papers on this on this game i love to analyze it i love to pick it apart and it's made for that every detail in this game from the motion capture they did for james swinging uh you know a um plank of wood or something like that it's clumsy it's ugly it's a little slow um but it feels very real and it gives us this interpretation that james really is an ordinary guy he isn't chris redfield he isn't chris redfield (laughs) experienced the gameplay like that he's fighting tooth and nail for his life it's inevitable you're going to get damaged at some points it's about how you deal with that moving forward that makes james into who he is um these games Would you say, from from everything I've heard about Silent Hill, it is sort of the epitome of the term, like, constrictions encourage creativity. That's exactly right, man. When we're talking at the very beginning about the hardware of the PlayStation 1, um, this one coming at the launch of the PS2, trying to show off this motion capture and these cut scenes and the emotion. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a big step up indeed. Um, and then do you think maybe the franchise sort of lost that along the way as hardware improved? They did. And- they did. I think it also it moved to a Western studio, didn't it? That's right. All of it. We'll get to that in a moment. So this next game, Silent Hill 3, is, again, pretty disconnected. This isn't going to follow on from Silent Hill 2. Silent Hill 2 has remained conclusive. That's it for that story. It's just meant to be an everyday story of how this town Fs with people. It's not about bringing the town down or beating a higher being. Um, Sun Hill 3 comes along. In this game, you play as teenage Heather Mason. Um, <laughs> judging by the responses, this is the daughter of Harry. This is that reborn Alessa. This is uh, the being of pure light or whatever have you that he got the second chance to raise again and do it right. So... Um, you don't get that twist till about halfway, but holy crap, it's going to make so much more sense if I explain it now. This game, um, actually, again, trigger warning and things like that, deals with teen pregnancy a lot um, in some pretty macabre, effed up ways that are even dated nowadays. Uh, it deals with, uh, you know, a teenager um, considering like abortion um, in, you know, a state that isn't very supportive of that and things like that. And a lot of the imagery around this game is built around a young woman's perception of sexuality and um, the fear and the psychological side of it and things like that. And it gets really real, um, especially with the imagery. Um, Expect a lot of penises. Um, There are a lot of penis monsters in this one, guys. Heads up. Um, Coat hangers. Normally I'd make a joke here. but Lots of... (laughs) Yeah, that's right, dude. Thank you for not doing that. You would throw me so hard. Like lots of coat hangers, um, lots of really bleak imagery. Yeah. and it, it makes sense, of course. Last time we talked about a game with this character in it and following up that original Silent Hill story, they were trying to, like, bring a demon into Earth, Hellspawn, through this poor little girl. Um, and it was all about, you know, trying to rebirth this god. So, Silent Hill 3 comes around. You play as her. 
um, on a night where plot twist, Harry Mason, the main character of the first game got murdered and she's being summoned back to Silent Hill to finish things once and for all or what have you. Now I believe we have Dahlia's sister or something like that. Who's another big evil witch lady. Her name's Claudia. It's not a huge deal, but in this one, the witch lady wants to do the exact same thing only now through Heather. She figures Heather's this last connection to this really powerful daughter she had. Um, although it's, <laughs> Heather's been rebirthed twice now. Um, and pretty much she's the one. Um, so she's trying to get her pregnant essentially with the antichrist. Um, so they lay it on very thick. There's lots of biblical references. It's very bleak, um, but it ends in a positive way with Heather overcoming it all, um, saving the day. And it's kind of kick-ass and it has a fun girl pop song, pop punk song. Um, that reminds me of Avril Lavigne Hells, and yeah. it's really cool and it's moody and she's staring at a car window. It's great. It's everything. Um, <laughs> but it really is just serving to wrap up the previous game and explore some crazy artistic design and really explore this macabre, um, really taboo topic. Um, and it's incredible. It's a lot more digestible and shorter than two. It's not as, mm. uh, Silent Hill 2 is very personal to me. I also feel like it's overarching themes, um, present a much more bleak atmosphere. Whereas Heather is, um, She's a badass. She is trying to take this on and she is doing everything she can do, but she's really struggling here. Um, but she's also young and she's full of spunk, you know? Um, so I think like it's a nice, fresh breath, a, a nice, fresh breath of air um, for the franchise heading in this direction. And I feel like it does kind of appeal to a teenage audience more, having this fun character that wouldn't look out of place um, next to Mia Jokovic or whatever her name is in, on a Resident Evil poster. Um, Friend of the show, star of Monster Hunter. Star of Monster Hunter <laughs> herself, Simon. <laughs> Give us some thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but it wraps uh, up the story. Simon, like, you want to think about horror? Um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Like- we don't get like a whole lot more development with Harry or anything like that here. Um, he really is killed off and Heather saves the day and everything carries on. Um, we can only assume that cultish things go on as more Silent Hill games come out. Um, so I'm going to touch on games, of course, a lot more briefly. Um, one and two pillars of the series. I think they set up what we need to talk about and what is important to talk about. And that is where they go with this idea of Silent so Hill, with the concept. Three was the last one made by um, Silent. I think was Silent Hill 4 Silent? was also made by Team Silent a little bit. Um when we get to that, but essentially, yes, this is the last full game made by them, by the original team, by the OG team. Um, so Silent Hill three wraps up the Harry story, done, done, done the cult stuff, whatever. It's all good. It's just your normal generic B spooky movie. Um, it's also worth noting in all these games, there are joke endings. Um, so there's always one where an alien comes down and has something to do with it and they'll abduct you and it'll be like, Oh, the problem was so silly the whole time. There's another one yeah. for Silent Hill 2 where there's a cute little, um, I don't know if he's a Corgi or a Shiba Inu pup, is pulling the triggers and switches and making all the spooky stuff happen, like a, do- <laughs> like a um, little Scooby-Doo villain, and it's great. Yeah. It's adorable. Wait, no, I don't like that because it's like, ha that's cute. And then you're like, wait, wait, it did Yeah, what? James literally walks into a room, sees a dog pulling switches and levers, yips at him, and he goes, it was you the whole time? And that's it. <laughs> So it ends. It's so. I think good. I have seen that floating around on the internet. And then they before. play like one of the theme songs, but with dogs yapping instead, and it's great and it's adorable. <laughs> okay, okay. And it's mean, and it's fun. Um, there's another. Um, 
Oh, actually, no, I think that there's pretty much all the joke endings. There's always an alien one, things like that. Um, and of course, just like any other horror survival horror game that I love, you're getting all kinds of new weapons and stuff to go through on harder difficulties. You beat the game in a faster time. You get more cool stuff that breaks the game, allows you to pry it wide open and just really delve deep in the story. Um, Silent Hill 3, I know I haven't talked about it as much here. Um, I haven't played it as much as Silent Hill 2 or 1. Um, still a phenomenal game. Um, but there's just not as much meat on the bones in terms of the psychological stuff to really dive into and a lot less shock value, honestly. And I think, just re-upping it, so following up from Silent Hill 2 is an impossible task because it's still regarded as... It, yeah. At the time, it was the greatest horror game for all time. It's still in that conversation. It, yeah, absolutely. Following like up the- is impossible. So they tried to go for a little bit different, like you said, a bit of a different yeah. angle. And it sounds like that didn't quite land. So it seems to be from Silent Hill 3 onwards... It's a very scattergun approach because they don't know how to That's right. capture lightning in a bottle. So again. things we're playing fast and loose from here on out. Coming out almost a year after Silent Hill 3, we've got Silent Hill 4, The Room. Um, rumored to be originally a completely different, unrelated to Silent Hill project that got, you know, superiors saw it, higher up saw it and said, we need to slap Silent Hill on this, then it'll sell. Okay. So this was just kind of like a fun little thing they were experimenting with team silent they were starting to get more team members on um a lot of people accomplished team members had moved on at that point and started their own studios that we will talk about um but things are starting to change within um it's starting to show in the games so in silent hill 4 the room you will have to forgive me we play as a pretty generic avatar standing character that doesn't have much of a story of his own um but he's very much your generic weeby kind of guy that you see in Japanese media. He's a bit skeevy. He's a bit, you know, grimy, whatever. He's a bit pervy. Um, but he wakes up one day to find he's actually locked in his apartment and he can't find any way out. And no matter how much noise he makes or what he does, he bangs on the walls, what have you, he cannot get out. But he can observe the world outside. So he is terrified. He gets left in there for months, years, weeks, I don't know. Um, but he starts taking noticings of what's going on outside of his room. So he notices he has a really creepy, pervy little peephole, maybe in his bathroom or something that goes into the neighbor's bedroom or something like that. Or he might notice that he can look under the door and see his superintendent come up and realize that he hasn't paid rent again and things like that. Um, so the apartment here serves as a hub that you'll return to. It's a safe spot. You can't get hurt here. The game is played in a first person perspective for the first time in this little room mm. in your apartment. It's free to explore. There's all kinds of Easter eggs and jump scares. um, And it's a nice place just to unwind. Um, Well, until they start introducing jump scares, Um, depending on how you go as you go on little trips outside of your apartment through weird haunted areas that are haunted by ghosts and different supernatural enemies this time around um you'll eventually come across your neighbor who has been beaten and almost drugged um she takes an interest in you and you agree that well i'll take you with me and it's very similar to maria in silent hill 2 um and you kind of take this woman along and all kinds of weird stuff happen and how you interact with her changes the ending um the story is largely this time around about a serial killer that was mentioned briefly in the second game just in a bit of flavor text in a newspaper or something like that um this serial killer is using kind of cultish stuff again that we could assume um 
This one here really does kind of like lean into more of a roguelike kind of element in a way where it feels more like you're performing runs outside of your hub um, and gen like generally creeping a little oh. bit further each time before getting dying and getting set back and things like that. Um, it's a more Metroidvania connected kind of way of telling a story and it does rely on lore a lot. Um, so I didn't quite drive with this one as much. I kind of blitzed through it, to be honest. Um, the combat um, was improved somewhat. It was less jerky, but as a result, I felt like that connection I had to James and Heather, the way she swung weapons as well, wasn't the same. It was obviously it a homogenized, like more homogenized, pushed out experience. Mm. I mean, like you said, it was another game that you kind of slapped Silent Hill on. That's it. right. Whether it sounds like yeah. that was to get more popularity, but it's also detrimental because you can't have that much weight and expectation in the game. Mm -hmm. It was doomed to fail from the start. It actually sounds like a decent experience. I like the idea of that yeah, right. as a, as not just gameplay wise, but the plot sounds really interesting. Uh, I think that's, yeah. that's a really interesting concept. Conceptually, to, to that's fascinating. And yeah, um, yeah. Reminds me of being stuck in, in lockdown. So, <laughs> a little bit. You know. So, Josh, tell us, tell us about. Silent Hill, what came up to number four? Okay, so after four, uh, Team Silent all went their separate ways, ceased to be, um, but a lot of them did survive under Sony's Japan studio, um, I believe it was, that went on to make the Siren series. Um, so you might remember early on the PS3, of course, we had a lot of Forbidden Siren. Um, they kind of handled a different take on Japanese horror, um, incorporated a lot of the radio elements and a lot of the psychological stuff. It was interesting. Not quite my bag and not really the same, but it was different and it was cool. More recently, they worked on Gravity Rush. A lot of the key people behind Silent Hill yeah. were behind Gravity Rush, um, which got yeah. quite the cult following. Um, so it's, they did some good stuff. But as it is now, they've kind of all disassembled again and they're just scattered like ashes. Hence a lot of theories about them bringing certain people back for different ones. The medium- like tears in the rain. The medium having the composer for the great Silent Hill games, Akira Yamaoka, huge. Huge. It's the reason why Medium's on my console at the moment. <laughs> I haven't booted it up yet, but it's the reason it's there. Can I just say? It's not very good. Uh, I reckon I'll love it. I reckon if I love I, these games, I have to love it, right? Okay, but it will be interesting. Play, play Medium. I really want to hear your thoughts on it because knowing that I'd some pull people that story directly involved pieces as well. with Silent Hill mm. are involved with the game, you can see it. Like now that yeah. I'm thinking back to it, I'm like, okay, this all makes sense. 100% with where the story but goes. it doesn't make it good. Yeah, well, yeah. But the medium, enemy of the show. Of course, with them moving on and Konami changing gears once again, as we'll get accustomed to, um, mm -hmm. we see uh, the first ever Western produced Silent Hill game. Um, this one, Silent Hill Origins, a prequel story, um, released on the PSP first before releasing later on on the PS2, like a lot of PSP games did at the time. Wait, and I can make you finally make a dick joke. Studio that made it was a climax action. Oh, you mother flipper! Climax <laughs> action. Oh, yeah. Come on. He's too quick, guys. He's too quick. That's, um, what, uh, that's what they say about my climax action. Again, here it, it seems like a really streamlined kind of Silent Hill experience where things are improved, but it doesn't really benefit the game at all. Um, and it kind of serves to take away from some of the narrative. Maybe a bit less thoughts being put into certain things. Um, and this is obviously just a new studio trying their hand. Jesse's very it's funny. Something Sorry, very funny. I'm at the laughing moment. here because Simon self -conscious. is having the most pain glass of water I've ever seen. Oh my so god! I just picked up 
grabbed my glass of water. Go After back. I've just back. made a cum joke. He's staring at it. He's kind of like giving it the evil eye. He looked like he smelt it. <laughs> drank it. And he just gave this like winced after it. What okay. the your Okay. What so, so, so. To- <laughs> Fucking hell. You derailed the whole podcast. You do weird perth drinking. <laughs> I mean, look, if you hadn't said anything, nothing would have been derailed. So that's on no, you, I'm afraid, no, Mr. Mumbrey. we had to record it. Anyway. Um. So for for a little bit of context, I am I'm literally just drinking regular water, but I've noticed there's like a weird thing on the inside of the glass, and I'm like, oh, maybe it's just some weirdly trapped bubbles. But no, I think the dishwasher didn't do a very good job washing this glass out, and I've only just noticed. That's why I kind of went. So I'm like, oh, Mid-drink, yeah, that's on the inside going. of the glass. Like, uh, look, the water tastes fine, so I'm going to keep drinking it. But this is a a one-time use glass, I think I'm going to have to and rewatch this it. is the type of goodness you can see. If you catch us on twitch.tv forward slash story mode, all of the recording podcast How live every week, um, you get to know all of our weird drinking habits. <laughs> look, Gosh, I, think, I think it was a normal thing to have had a bit of a weird look at, okay? I feel like I... Within the realms of regular human that's, expectations, that's there. Fucked. You what? That was fucked up. <laughs> you see a man sniffing water and drinking it. I have questions. That's why I had to. Stop oh, the I whole didn't podcast. sniff it, by the way. That's just me. Double, <laughs> double thinking. <laughs> double Check thinking. Check the replay, yeah, sure. folks at home. Check, Check the, the replay. Josh, back to Silent on. Hill Origins. Back to um, Silent Hill. PSP game, really. Again, a more streamlined, homogenized. Um, I would say, in, <laughs> I hope this isn't too cruel. Um, I see this, these games um, as kind of less art. <laughs> these aren't really art as much as the earlier games were. There's a lot less intent to a lot of the design and more so just necessity and needing to get a project out. They're very money grabby. Mm. That's right. Because this is about the same time the film came out, isn't it? That's exactly right. So this was a big thing mm. at the time um, with this one explaining a lot of the origins behind Alessa, that tortured little witch girl that became Cheryl and Heather and so on and so forth. In the first game, we encounter her um, playing as a truck driver. I forgot his name again. I apologize. We're playing it fast and loose here. Uh, I do have a ton of notes, but not his name. Um, John. John. John meets Alessa and forms a <laughs> bond with her and wants to help and things like that, explores the other world. Um, and we also explore a lot of the psychology behind him um, and a lot of the trauma he's gone through um, that hits really close to me in um, a couple of ways and did have me tearing up at a few points. So at this point, Silent Hill isn't completely lost. There's, with some good direction and some heart, there is something there to channel still. And I feel like this game doesn't deserve a whole heap of hate it's solid um but it's just not as great as those earlier titles um playing on psp ps2 check it out but the real silent hill 5 was just around the corner and i believe it was 2007 the ps3 and 360 got their very first silent hill game that was silent hill homecoming um this is one of like critically one of the worst received games in the franchise this one's janky it's buggy um I don't know how the PC port is either, if you can get your hands um, on it. I've actually got it up on Steam. Is it on, on Games the- for Windows Live? I think it wasn't initially. work around that. Yeah. Because yeah, I still have trouble with some games that were originally intended for that crap. Yeah. Um, Silent Hill. Is this the beginning of that month where um, Konami released like three Silent Hill games and experiences? Stuff? I believe so, because this was literally like tied in with the movie release. So, a big thing with Homecoming and about the film is, of course, they have the iconic 
pyramid head. At this point in the franchise, people tell me what we know about pyramid head and what he means and what he represents. He has no, he has no bearing. He has no right to be anywhere other than inside James's own delusions. Right. Yeah. Like the, the, yeah, from what the, you've told us, he's 100%. real in the films though, isn't he? They brought, they have him in the films. He was a part of the films and he's a part, he's an executioner from back in the day when they executed witches on these lands and all kinds of stuff. They go down that route. And what? He said, they oh, don't worry about the black hood. Yeah, I have this giant this metal thing. fucking triangle. 100%. I'm not very good at metal work. All I can make with is pyramid. <laughs> so <laughs> this is why people are so frustrated with the different directions this franchise has gone in. It can show they can have this strong direction and powerful narratives, but at the same time, it gets drawn back by some of the weird cultiness and their need to have it be this really truncated, easy story that's simple to digest. When in actuality, Pyramid Head is an ideology. You know, it's something different. It's above us, you know? Um but they have him back in Homecoming torturing our protagonist here. Um, this one is about a war veteran um, and he struggles with a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder and the game explores a lot of that. Um, again, I don't think the writing here is poor for a large part of it. There is some decent thought into it. The dialogue isn't necessarily great, but I like the idea the story is heading and it does a very Jacob's Ladder kind of thing. Um, if anybody's seen that film, um, that is just incredible. Um, a film that uh, has a lot of psychological horror stuff that, Silent Hill came from. Um, they took a lot of cues from that for the cinematography and things like that in the original games. So it's nice that it's coming full circle um, with this story about a veteran coming to terms with this, something that he's been carrying on his shoulders for quite some time. A lot of stuff goes down. You find out he was never a soldier and it's just a story made up and he's had a really pathetic life that he isn't very proud of. Um, but he emerges stronger through it all and through his adventures through Silent Hill. Um, but yeah, don't play this one, guys. The The story can be really good. It has some nice stuff, but just watch watch bits and pieces of it. Um, and again, this is the first triple A um, Western <laughs> Silent Hill, and it shows. Um, they're obviously trying to do the marketing with the pyramid head on the box cover and things like that. Um, mm. This is them trying to make Silent Hill iconic and a brand. This is what happens when you take like... A, a, a Japanese product, and you try to Americanize it. Not even just a Japanese, like an like a like an Eastern studio. That's right. Make a, a, and, a TV show. And that's or what a makes film it or something like that. The sensibilities are so different. Like I am dreading. Just go slightly off topic. The Train to Busan Western remake oh, is going to be so goddamn bad. <laughs> I rewatched that film um, last week. And that is one of the best zombie films I've ever seen. I love that film. Sure. I still, yeah, and there are some it. moments in there that work in Eastern cinema mm -hmm. because what you expect is a little bit different. Um, like it, it's culturally different. And I think once you watch enough of that media, you kind of get some of the expectations, some of the, the plot contrivances and stuff like that. They're not going to work. Yeah. They're not going to work. With, I'm not going to spoil Train to Busan because if you haven't seen it, go see it. But when a certain character um, opens a certain door in in the original, that will not work with American audiences. And uh, I, I can... I'm mad. Mad about nothing. I'm yelling at the crowd. Well, it's actually something I really like about Silent Hill and it's something I notice about a lot of my favourite properties. You notice in, in a lot of the games that I do like in this franchise it's kind of campy it's kind of weird and a lot of the presentation isn't quite spot on it is super uncanny 
I love that kind of campy crap. You know, I love Twin Peaks. I love the stilted dialogue and things like that, that obviously as a media student, they want you to tear apart and, you know, just yeah. love. I'm, I adore all that. So I enjoy a lot of the stuff that Sun Hill still brings to the table, even in the bad games. But moving on, we get probably the best Silent Hill game made by a Western studio after the Team Silent departure. Uh, next up is Silent Hill Shattered Memories on the Wii and PS2, PSP as well, I believe. Um, similar to how Origins was originally on PSP before being ported elsewhere to get a larger audience. Same deal here. It was a Wii game, um, made great use of the Wii remote. Um, in a lot of ways I really enjoyed, um, and then eventually made its way to other platforms, kind of, you know, similar to the Wii's architecture. So in this one, again, this is a reimagining of the very first Silent Hill game. Harry Mason gets in a crash and he needs to find his daughter. All kinds of plot stuff happens. There's witches, you know, all that good stuff. This is a reimagining of that. That's what they want you to know going into it. You boot it up and you're placed in a therapist's office. It's Until Dawn, about 10 years before Until Dawn came out. You sit in a therapist's <laughs> office and ask you what you're frightened of and things like that. Um, of course, it is a bit archaic, but I'd say it stands shoulder to shoulder with Until Dawn's mechanics. Um, and they use a lot of these things to frighten you more. The game even has like a dumb disclaimer at the beginning saying, this game tries to psychologically profile you and you know, it will use everything you say against yourself. It'll make you hate everything. Um, and it's like pretty full on disclaimer like to Halfway have. through the game, it's like, the only way to defeat Pyramid Head is to go on stage and speak <laughs> in front of this big crowd. Oh, no. And tell your mum you love her for once. Jesus. <laughs> the, only, the only true way to defeat everything Fuck. is to accept yourself for who you are and yeah. love who you are. Nah, that's it. Fucking, that's Hill it. Game over. Sure I'm done. high town. <laughs> Watch out for them heights. So... The big conceit of this one, of course, is the whole idea that it's psychologically profiling you. And the game's given a pretty nice makeover. It looks great. It plays modern. You search around with a flashlight. They use the Wii Remote for it. It feels very intuitive. You have a cell phone that you can use in limited situations. Of course, they can't make it too easily, but it's nice that they're modernizing it somewhat. Throughout the game, you'll find tons of phone numbers to dial. And the way you do it is you pretty much hold up the Wii Remote like a phone and you get to punch in the number. Then you hold it up to your ear to hear what's on the other side using the Wii's speaker. Just a fun gimmicky thing. And when I was playing through it... Um, I fucking hate that so much. Dude, it works really well I for this I kind of love game. it. It yeah, works well for this game. Quite cool. It's not too over the top. It doesn't require peripherals or anything like that. It's a very straightforward experience. Uh, but for this one, there isn't so much of a focus on combat or puzzles that I know I've been a bit light on talking about puzzles, but they just don't appeal to me in these games, guys. I just look up guides for puzzles like this. They're too, yeah. they've, you know, they've been translated from Japanese. They're worded very poorly. There's often all kinds of <laughs> awful typos. I'm fine, honestly. Um, but the way this one, you get a lot of progress is solving puzzles by using this smart phone um and being able to dial numbers and things like that it's a ton of fun um and it's a lot of, it's a pretty quick time as well if you want to play it um uh, but this is heads and shoulders above a lot of the recent Silent hill games we got around this time period and it really showed that there is value in this property and that any like another studio can do it right um as the game goes on um you realize the plot doesn't play out quite like the original silent hill of course and you come to find out that in this reality, Harry died in the car crash um, and you grew up as his daughter, 
um, and you're seeing a therapist now and you're talking about your father and your connection with him that night that he died and what kind of man you thought he was and whether he was searching for you or if maybe he stumbled across, uh, I don't know, a strip joint cell number and instead decided to call them up. Um, so it's her coming to terms with the fact that her, her father was this fallible man who ultimately ended up dying this night, um, but also respecting him for who he was. And the way you play Harry and the, the decisions you make when playing as him um, determine how certain characters speak to you, the way they dress, the role they play in the story, whether or not they show up, whether or not they die. Um, so not only are you getting psychologically profiled one-on-one with this therapist as we're teasing this story about the daughter, you're also developing Harry into his own character for the first time. Um, And the way that she remembers him is completely reflected in that. And whether or not she's able to move on from this trauma, it's completely up to that. In this Mm. game, Silent Hill isn't necessarily a place. It's a state of mind. State Uh, of mind. This is a woman working through some trauma. Um, But it's great. We see Heather again after Silent Hill 3. um, And she's talking to a therapist and she's working through this trauma and trying to figure out how she sees her dad and it's just an alternate timeline where what if the man had have died instead of the little girl in the car that night um but it's a ton of fun it's super misleading and it is meant to trip you up i think you'll still get tripped up whether or not you've played the original but of course it depends on that shock value of when there are twists in there and the big twist of course being that this isn't a story about um, reliving this, you know, the adventure of the first Silent Hill. It's about a poor girl who lost her dad and child coming to terms with it. It's excellent. It's great storytelling. And a lot of the developers did make Until Dawn. Now, just before we, I know there's a lot of games that came out at this period. So I want to skip along to PT in a moment because- We've only got one more PT. before PT. Is this the one that plays like Diablo? Ah, two more, but I'll touch on them super quick because they came out like a month ago. I was going to say, I want to hear more about this Diablo one because I saw that. I'm like, I didn't know this existed. Yeah. And this should be good, but I heard <laughs> That's it's right. not. Like the elements of that Diablo, very popular game. Silent Hill, very good game. You put them together. Yeah. No. So like <laughs> I will get through the last one really quickly before we get to PT. Um, I do want to say, moving on from Shattered Memories, the most approachable game in the series the least difficult. It, this is an experiential game, much like Gone Home, about piecing together the relationship between a man and his daughter um, that you never actually see them really interact throughout the whole game. It's really nice. It's beautiful. It's fucking tragic. Sorry. Um, but then we got Silent Hill Downpour. So if Shattered Memories is the one I recommend to everyone. Just try it once. Get on a PS2 emulator. Just play it. It's a fun experience that will stick with you. This one here was trying to be the big budget one that blew new directions in the franchise. I quite enjoy this one. Um, When it launched, it was quite buggy amid many other issues. They cleaned it up with the PS3 version, but the 360 version is forever effed up. Um, But Silent Hill Downpour, awesome game. We get back to going to a physical location in Silent Hill and um, uncovering a convict's kind of uh, psychological profile, I guess, this time around. And um, it happens after he kills a man, after that man abducts his son, pretty much. Um, He pretty much assaults the main character's son and main character, of course, in retaliation, kills him. Um, So it's about him going through jail and him coming to terms with that. Uh, Again, a ton of different endings. They don't use Pyramid Head this time around, but they come up with a new exciting villain called the Boogeyman, who is great, and it 
plays into the story and it's very well done and it gives you a completely different mind-bending twist that i won't spoil here that kind of um it gives you it gives you sorry just in a a very short description as you would say that pyramid head is a man with a pyramid for a head what's a very brief description of of the boogeyman because that's a very generic i can't really remember to be honest i remember being kind of maybe like a dark hood over the head but i'm not too certain it's this one again is meant to be everyone's biggest fear. So for the cop character, it's her mum that she has a poor relationship with or whatever. And for you, it's that effer that, you know, stole your wife or something like that. You know, things like that. Oh no, it's work pressure. It's work Help. pressure. Gen- general work pressure. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Watch out, it's my self-esteem. Run. So this was obviously a super ambitious game made by a studio that had great reverence for the original titles and wanted to carve out a space on similar platforms as them. Um, and they did it without, you know, going back to Pyramid Head and, you know, kicking that horse a bit more, beating that horse. Um, but I had great time with Downpour. I think if you can play it on PS3, check it out. It's great. Then, the last Silent Hill game we actually properly got. Released a few weeks around Downpour. There's lots of connections that tie these ones together. Is Silent Hill Book of Memories. This one is a Vita-only title that is a Diablo-like, Diablo-roguelike dungeon crawler thing. Completely different so direction for the franchise. It's so weird. Yeah, it does kind so of strange. weird psychological profiling stuff. Of course, you're fighting the manifestations of somebody's personal demons in all kinds of weird ways. But the story's told in a more Diablo fashion where you're reading great heaving texts and things like that. Um, it's interesting. Very different direction for the series. The wrong direction, I would say, but you can tell they tried to do it with a bit of flair and a bit of passion and inject some personality into an otherwise pretty stale, you know, archetypal dungeon crawler. It's annoying because I love this concept. Exactly. This concept is really cool. Exactly. Like like a horror Diablo. Don't do it with- survival horror Diablo. Just don't do it with this- Very cool. Don't make a Silent Hill. Don't make a Silent Hill, dude. Make it anything else. Get the rights to a film Mm, and do it there. Yeah. Yeah. Do anything else. Ugh. But um, it wasn't great. Didn't do well. Haven't played that one. Um, but there's some weird crossover with Downpour as well with some characters they introduced and it made it clear that they were trying to set up the franchise for a brave new direction that didn't quite pan out. Um, but with the both those last Silent Hill games launching in awful buggy states, um, Downpour getting better and is now looked upon fondly by a lot of fans. Um Book of Memories is dead, dead to the world. Nobody gives a damn about your roguelike <laughs> dungeon crawler Silent Hill game. Um, but that's it, guys. Like, honestly, before PT, that is all the Silent Hill games that I've played. Uh, that is all the mainline ones. Um, honestly, uh, of course, <laughs> Silent Hill 1 is really great for its time. Silent Hill 2 is revolutionary. 3 hones in and nails everything one set out to do in a more cultish spooky atmosphere um two is just pure depression (laughs) make sure you're in the right headspace if you're going to play it it's some serious stuff and it is like testament to video games as art um it's the textbook example and it is a phenomenal game that is honestly not yeah 
something a comparison i expected in this no <laughs> I, always, I, I wrote off this series i feel really shit for it i wrote series off it. it's just another survival horror well, game like talking yeah. to you guys it's kind of the shock value right these games deal with some heavy topics and um i know that that isn't something that horror media shies away from but it's kind of surprising coming from a major video game publisher not many yeah that's the, yeah. That's the thing of yeah. all like the the big horror games none of them do right it's same with horror films yeah all the big ones are just jump scares or it was a mm. demon in the end yeah uh, like they a lot of these games the, the more indie titles yeah they get more psychological I'm like okay this is making me uncomfortable it seems like this really towed that line until it tried to become yeah bigger than than everything well that's right i mean like um, my favorite game in the series silent hill 2 easily it's one of my favorite games of all time a lot of people are elitist and will say you're not allowed to like any of the other games <laughs> and you have to like silent hill 2 don't uh, listen to them they're all great they're all phenomenal like silent hill 3 is has some phenomenal visual storytelling um that's just heartbreaking um shattered memories has this awesome um therapist thing way before until dawn even it was a concept you know um these mm. games have always been there in the background um and done some amazing stuff with the narratives in games and the storytelling in silent hill is my all-time favorite across any medium so at that point so silent hill would be spread pick up a little bit too thinly spread everywhere yeah. um they were obviously setting up some sequels ago, and then yeah they pulled on back. the ps what four uh, a little uh Something came about on the uh, PlayStation Store that had social media buzzing. It was a thing called PT. And at the time when it first came out, no one knew what it was. PT standing for playable trailer or play- playable teaser. Um, and in PT, you, it's first person. You're in a small house. You start off in the basement. You walk through the door and you go around. There's a radio playing. There's a few images that you can zoom in on, have a look at photo album, um, it's raining outside, all the doors are locked. And then you open the, there's one, oh, sorry, there's a bathroom you can go into and there's another door you can open. Now I remember sitting down to play this. Just all I knew was the hype about it. I didn't know anything else. And some games have a moment where you, you just go, okay, I'm in. Like yeah. it just clicks into gear. It's like, okay, this is my shit. The moment you open that door and then you're back where you started and you realize this is an infinite loop you're in. Oh, that's my that's my sort of thing. Yeah, man. Um, there's a very similar moment to like to that in um like Prey, the moment akin to that. I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is a style I like. Yeah. So I remember playing it. And yeah, you loop around, um, and it became just an infamously horrifying game. It has, I would say, two of the best jump scares ever experienced in a mm-hmm. video game. But not just that; it had this oppressive atmosphere mm. of um, the, the like every time you loop around, the rain outside gets heavier, mm. and there are some slight changes. Some of the pictures will move. Sometimes you go through there's a red light and everything. Most of all, the voice in the radio changes. I can hear it. Just whenever I talk about this game, I can hear that radio. Yeah, and the radio uh, announcer is talking about a, a man who's who's murdered his family, basically. Um. And just get into more and more detail. And then, it, oh. then it's, t- it's talking to you. And it is so unsettling. And the moment where you are at your last nerve, that door doesn't open. So you turn around. Mm. And there's Lisa. Yeah. 
Now, now, is this the Lisa that you mentioned earlier from the old Silent Hill games, you believe? So Lisa has a lot of iconic um, scenes and imagery in the original Silent Hill that I didn't quite touch on. Um, but I don't think this is meant to be. This isn't meant to be her. It isn't meant to be a nurse or anything like that. It's just like a that. Lisa. It's a Lisa, but it's a nice nod. And I think it. Um, yeah, it's nice to be acknowledged. It's nice to have that bit of fan service, you know? Of course. So you see her and she's... Just in my, I can I can see her when I close my eyes sometimes. Yeah. Um, you also have a fucked up baby fetus. Oh, I, would say, man. I would say after after playing a certain game that came out this year, no spoilers. I would say it's the second worst video game fetus in a game. Um, a lot of blood, and this is just a teaser. Um, there are a bunch of different endings to this one. I had a bit of a weird one, but essentially, when you beat this teaser you get a trailer that shows off Norman Reedus in what would be Silent Hills, a game that would have been uh, created by uh, Hideo Kojima, a friend of the show. Also, Guillermo del Toro was going to be involved and um, Junji Ito, yeah, the artist. Nuts. This would have been the most uncomfortably horrifying, psychologically damaging game yeah ever made mm. but of course we all know what's happened with um konami and kojima mom and dad had an argument and they went separate ways and silent hills died mm-hmm. now konami's since command said look we're still very dedicated to um to, to the silent hill franchise but before we get into what they did next keelan did you play pt I did not have the opportunity to. I'll always have you watched any kick walkthroughs myself. Though? No, I've. I want to, but I feel like a big part of the the horror that you get out of something like that is when you are interacting with it, when you're making the choices. I, I, just I personally I would disagree with you on that note, Kills. I do agree with us. Yeah, I also wasn't able to play it, um, and then after a lot of encouragement from Gaz. Actually, I think it was on Halloween, like mm. Halloween night. I watched, I watched a playthrough and it was a silent play. Like the person who had recorded this didn't say anything and did genuinely take a bit of time to look and investigate every little thing. So a lot Proper of the details, experience. like it, it felt, I wouldn't have played it any other way. Essentially, if if I had been able to play it and recorded it and then watched the footage back, that's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> and I was suitably terrified by the end. I, I feel like I got the full experience from that. Yeah. When I said games don't scare me, this is the one exception. Yes. I remember playing this and my... I'm sitting down playing this. My partner's sort of doing stuff in the background and then it just got to the point where she sat there next to me. We sort of played it together. And there were parts where I'm just like, I, it was like 2 a.m. I had to put yeah. the control down. I was like, I, I can't open this door again. I felt uncomfortable. Um, and I, I don't think a game, and it, it even feels weird saying it's a game because it's, it's not. I've never had a video game experience affect me for this long. I, like I said, I can hear, I'm picturing it in my head. It was that perfectly simple and effective yeah um so keelan i think you won't get the same experience unfortunately as you would if you played it 
because of course if you have player agency you're going to become more attached to the experience but a walkthrough a solid walkthrough will do the job and i think it's something you'll really appreciate this the yeah look I'll i think get, one of I'll the most impressive things especially for a kojima production if it has a restraint Yes, that's he's right. He's not known yeah. for his restraint, yeah. but I think at times <laughs> yeah. he thing. He, he, there's very little here. So when something slightly changes, when you first notice, you, you notice your first changes on your loop, they are they will send chills up your spine. It's, it's it really absolutely. It's the same reason that streaming is completely and entirely unappealing to me. If I'm not in control now, of it, if you want to see us stream, we're at twitch.tv forward slash story mode AUS. You catch us streaming every day. <laughs> but no, I, I agree. Normally, that doesn't that doesn't quite click with me. Yeah. But I think this is something that you could um, give it a go to now. Yeah. I mean, we just mentioned saying, you know, um, he didn't kill him and play it, unfortunately. It's because it's gone. One day after the whole Kojima Konami spat. It disappeared from the PlayStation Store, never to return. I deleted it from my console about a week before that happened. Um, like an absolute idiot. But I remember in the sort of um, aftermath of that, people were selling consoles for 2.5K mm. with PT on it. Yeah. You know, collector's items. I'm kind of tempted to see if that is still the case now. So apologies. I don't think it is because somebody made a really good remake in Dreams. People have made them, put them to other engines and stuff on PC. Some really phenomenal work, yeah. It's it's quite impressive, and there was a lot of games that came out that were very directly influenced by it. I, I don't think anyone quite caught that same magic. That's right. But um, if if you if you're tempted to, there's definitely a, a fair library on Steam of, of games that have caught, taken that same. Here's a single house, and this is where your game is. <laughs> I do want to say that, like. PT as a direction, uh, dealing with a different kind of horror, um, even in a weird way, a more terrifying cosmic horror <laughs> is kind of mm. like what felt teased. Um, awesome. Awesome. Like after so many developers trying to decide whether or not they wanted to tell a character focused story where you're, you know, discovering um, events from this character's past and putting things to perspective and seeing them grow and change. Um that we had the cult stories, things like that. We had cool witchy stuff, awesome possessions, stuff like that. And then a completely different take that went completely balls to the wall, different direction, but I would say respectfully pays homage to the originals, what with Lisa being referenced and stuff like that. Awesome. What an awesome idea for a reboot and giving Kojima the, sh- the you know, <laughs> the team to make it as well. It could have been something yeah. really phenomenal, and it's always going to be a game that I think about as my my white horse. Um, but yeah, the, the whole Konami—I think this is the biggest what the the whole Konami debacle broke me. <laughs> I was the biggest Konami fan when all those shenanigans were going on, and I I was so disappointed. Um, and Metal Gear Solid Five is a whole other experience that I love to death, but it has shortcomings as well. All ninety percent, all the ninety percent of it that was completed. That little bit that was missing from the game does hurt me a little bit. Now, you're saying that that disappointed you. I think the most disappointing thing is when Konami came out and said, hey, Silent Hill's not dead. We're going to continue with this franchise. We're going to pay homage to this fundamental pillar of this studio, of this brand. They did release a new game. A fucking pachinko machine. (laughs) Of course. They built up a Silent Hill release a few years ago. 
and like people were looking into it. They they announced something, and people were looking into it. It's like, oh well, this person was has suddenly moved studio, so maybe they're working on it. Maybe they're getting this person. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Fucking marble gambling machine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's not even. A, I saw footage of it. It doesn't even look good. <laughs> it looks shit. <laughs> now, surely that can't be the end. Silent Hill cannot end with a Diablo game, um, yeah, a Diablo spinoff. Yeah, <laughs> a deleted teaser featuring Norman the Penis Reedus and a Pachinko machine. <laughs> Surely it does not end that way. Josh, you're our Silent Hill expert. Go. Is this franchise dead or will it be returned, coming back from It's going to come back at some point. Whether or not I'll have interest at that point or if I'll be stuffed around too much to care at that point, I don't know. Um, honestly, it could be another PT kind of debacle where, you know, I lose all interest in the series moving forward and I just accept the classics are the classics. Um, but always optimistic. Um Number one, I hope a big AAA, I hope Sony gets Silent Hill as an IP and they get to make an awesome balls to the wall game. Um, pay respect to Kojima, get him in somehow, just tie everything together. I, Kojima doesn't have to work on it, but just as a cameo or a reference, an acknowledgement that there is a lot of pain <laughs> and a lot of um, ill will <laughs> that's generated because of the whole Konami fallout. I feel like if they could just but acknowledge Josh, that, it can happen. Josh. Hideo is getting his Silent Hill game. It's called Abandoned. Didn't oh you hear? Oh, my God. So, oh, like, I, I've I've God. delved it through the internet. I have read all the theories about Metal Gear. <laughs> I have read all the theories about Death Stranding is actually Silent Hills. That is actually PT. I watched, out, like, four-hour breakdowns of 30-second teasers. <laughs> like, I was full into this whole lifestyle of Silent Hill conspiracy bullcrap. Um, but I, I hope they are able to maybe Josh, even- can we do an episode one day where just you and I discussing the correlation between Kojima's career oh. and the themes in Death Strand. And social media's they're, they're prevalence. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do they're it. They're there. They're clearly there. Keelan, do you mind um, editing down a 12-hour podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Because <laughs> it will happen. And I mean, like, Death Stranding. I, everyone knows I love Death Stranding to pieces, one of my all-time favourite games as well. Um, so I've no doubt that, you know, if a property as beloved as Silent Hill got its hands got if Kojima got his hands on it oh my god it'll be incredible um you could do some good stuff but I'd be happy with other people taking the helm um ideally team silent get him back get some of those key figures back or look blue point I wouldn't mind a remake blue point yeah. a remake or a remaster Silent Hill 2 could be amazing I think so well talking about um just PS4 very quickly and I've just had a quick search on eBay I've just gone PT PS4 uh, the top result is 1,200 Aussie dollars. And then a little bit further down, uh, $1,024, $1,287. The cheapest one is 934 Aussie dollars. How much is shipping? Uh, for that last one? Oh, no. $82 <laughs> estimate from the US. Josh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, oh we're going to wrap up before... Uh, we're either going to wrap up so Josh can go buy one or to prevent Josh from buying one. We're going to have an intervention very My shortly. My PO is going to get called 100%. very soon. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you want to listen to us prevent 
Josh from buying other things. We are on Spotify and iTunes. If you want to listen to more, some more episodes, so subscribe and leave us a review while you're there. Check out some fan crypto podcasts. They always keep they keep our lights on. Kind of metaphorically, I guess. Um, but they have a, a whole range of great podcasts as well, so go check them out. If you want to keep up to date with all your video game news, storymodegaming.com. We're also on social media, of course, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StoryModeAUS. And as I mentioned before, we are on Twitch at StoryModeAUS. You can catch us recording these streams live every week. And we have also a bunch of games that we, we stream. We're going to do a bunch of Halloween spooky season streams this week. I think I'm going to get into Alien Isolation so I can just piss my pants live on, uh, yes. live on the internet, which would be fun. Um, and not get paid for it. But if you do want to pay us, we are on Patreon. If you set your fan critical, you can chuck a couple bucks our way and get access to a bunch of bonus goodies and content. But with that, Josh, Sai, Kion, always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Everyone on the chat, everyone listening, thanks for, for, for dropping on by. Hope you enjoyed. And uh, go play some games. Go enjoy, enjoy the day. You know what I mean? Take care of yourself. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Excellent.